Well, good morning, guys. My name is Donnie, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we're in week number two of a series called Getting Past Your Past. And if you missed week one, we would encourage you to pick that up on the Stuggard Harvest Church app, or you can listen to it on your computer at soundcloud.com. So we hope through this series to answer this question, or, or to help answer this question, and that is, how do we get past our past? So because no matter who you are, what your past looks like, where you come from, everyone has something in their past that we struggle to get past. And I want to start out this morning by sharing with you all a story about a guy I know. I met a few years ago, and this guy's name's Keith. And I, I met him through a seminary class that I was taking, and the, the class was very small. It was only a few people, so we got the opportunity to, to, to know one another. And we would often share stories and struggles with one another through this, our time in the class. And one day we were talking, we were talking about how things from our past, they tend to show up in our present, and they even want to direct our future and, and how we, we can struggle with this, this topic. And we were all sharing some stories, and Keith kind of speaks up, and he says, Hey, guys, I don't know um, how many of you know this, but he said, For many years, I had a very destructive addiction in my life. And he said, uh, You know, those years, I did some, 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 a lot of things that I regret. And he said, As a result, I ended up in prison. And he said, in prison, through, through the ministry that was in prison and the chaplain, he said, I, I come to know Christ. And he said, I kind of knew who Jesus was before then. He said, but I come to a place where I put my faith and my trust on, on what Jesus did on the cross for me. He said, and I started trying to follow Christ to the best of my ability. And he said, but what, what was happening, he said, I was trying to follow Christ, but all this stuff from my past, it was just following me, and it would show up in my present. And he said, it was, it was a real struggle for me. And then he said something that, that I think that is very profound. He said, I had to come to a place where I wasn't letting my past define who I am. And he said, if, if I'm ever going to be who Christ wants me to be, he said, I had to not let my past define who I will be. And maybe your story is not like my friend's, friend Keith's, or maybe it is, I don't know. But, but this I do know. I know that each person has a story. Each person has a past. Um, no matter who you are, or, and there is this temptation in all of us, to, to let our weaknesses, to let our past, the, the things that we've maybe done, things that we've had done to us, define who we are and who we are or who we will be in Christ. And, and Harley, we, we all have these weaknesses. Uh, I know that, that I have my fair share of weaknesses. Well, this morning, we just want to help by admitting straight off the bat, you know, we do have weaknesses. I could go through a long list of addictions. I could go through a long list of just things that we do, but I, I just have this feeling for most of us, if you're like me, 
Now, we're pretty aware of some weaknesses that we have because we've been excusing them for a long time. We've been managing them. We've been making excuses for them. We've been kind of covering them up. And so maybe this morning we don't have to have that list to say, hey, is it this, is it this, is it this? Because maybe have a feeling it could be kind of on your mind. So if you happen to be like me, then you do have a weakness. And you have something that maybe has a hold of you or can get a hold of you from your past and make you miserable in your present and make you afraid of your future. It can happen. So last week we talked about Abraham and God kind of chose Abraham to kind of be this father figure of our faith. And then from that, then there's this line of, of, uh, you know, forefathers of our faith. And it goes through people like Jacob and then his son, Joseph. That's the guy who got thrown in the well. And then brothers sold him to slave, to be a slave in Egypt. That's, so there's some really kind of famous guys in that line that God spoke with and led. And, but from that guy being thrown into the well, they landed in Egypt, that family. And it was from that family that Israel was born. That leads us to today where we are with this guy. Right. So we pick up today with Moses, and Moses led a very interesting life. And if you, if you maybe grew up in church or you've heard a message taught before on Moses, you may remember that Moses was, in fact, he was born in Egypt during a time when the Egyptians had, were, when the Hebrews were enslaved to the Egyptians. And, and during this particular time when he was born, the, the king of Egypt, or the pharaoh, had enacted a law that said all male children born to Hebrew women would be killed. So Moses' mother, when he was born, she came up with this plan when he was just a little baby to build this little basket for him. And she put it in a river, and she just sent him down the river because she didn't know what else to do. And in God's providence, I believe the, the pharaoh's daughter was down by the river, and she finds little baby Moses. And she takes Moses into the very house of Pharaoh, into the palace of the Pharaoh that, that initiated or created this law. And Moses was raised as the Pharaoh's daughter, not as a Hebrew, but as an Egyptian. So his identity kind of stolen from him, and as he, as he grew up and he, he learned who he was, um, learned that he was actually, in fact, a Hebrew, um, he started to empathize with the Hebrew people. And he saw how they were treated. And one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And something in him just snapped. And he goes down and he, and he stops it. He intervenes in the process. He ends up killing the Egyptian. And so now he's a murderer. He's a criminal, and he does the only thing that he feels like he can do, and he runs, and he runs away from Egypt. He runs away from his past as far as he can get, and so where we pick up today in Scripture, Moses, not the prince that he once was, but now a shepherd, a shepherd with the past. So one day, Moses is out in the, the wilderness in the middle of nowhere, and he's, he's tending to his father-in-law's flock. And something, something pretty amazing happens. We're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. 
It says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see. When the Lord saw that Moses was coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses! Moses! Okay, let's pause for a minute. You know, I've often wanted God to call down from heaven my name. Donnie! Donnie! (laughs) But, you know, if I'm going through the woods and I see this bush on fire and I walk up to it and he does that, it's going to scare the poo out of me. You're going to run home to the washing machine. Probably so. Don't tell Brooke. No, that's, those are lanes. <laughs> <laughs> but Moses answers, here I am. Here I am, God. Then God tells Moses, hey, I, I've seen my people suffer. I've heard their cries. I know how they're being treated. And I have come to rescue them. I've come to lead my people out of Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey. And you may have heard that phrase before, land flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's a Bible. You may, have, you may know some Bible you didn't know you knew. It's not a cereal. No, it's not. Um, I am kind of hungry, though. <laughs> but then in verse 10, God tells Moses this. He says, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Okay, Moses has to be thinking at this point, wait, hold on, God. I thought that you said you heard their cry, you were going, and wait, we just changed to me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So Harley, then Moses, he, he replies yeah, to verse God. Yeah, verse 11, but Moses protested to God. You know, anytime God tells us something, we've got to protest. I mean, we've, we don't have to work hard at it. I mean, it's there, ready to go, and it was for Moses. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh, and who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? If we continue in our lives to make excuses when God has presented us with something, then that means um, our past is going to continue to win, and we're going to continue to lose. I think what Moses is saying here is, God, if you reap 20 lines, God, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. Verse 12, God answers him, I know, right? I'm going to be with you. And then he gives him a sign. Here's what's going to happen. This is going to happen later on. But he says, I'm going to be there. You don't have to worry about doing this alone. I'm going to be there. And so they continue their conversation. And here we go back to Moses again now in verse 13. But Moses protested. This is becoming his go-to thing. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, If I tell them this, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. Well, they're going to ask me. Okay, Moses, what's his name? And what am I going to tell them? Here's where God gives him one of the most famous things that we have heard in the Old Testament. And God says this to Moses. Moses, he says, I... I am the great I am. I am has sent you. Remember Abraham? The one I chose as the father of this faith. I, I was with him. 
That was me. And then Jacob, remember that? I, I was with Jacob. And then Joseph, thrown in the well, and then all the slain. I was with Joseph. And I am with you. I'm going to be with you, Moses. And then he says, I want you to go and tell them this. And it's in verse 17. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression. And I know in our lives today, this was thousands of years ago, but I know in our lives today, we have some weaknesses that make us feel oppressed, that make us feel beat down. And I believe God can say this to us as well. I will free you from your oppression. Wow. You know what that reminds me of? God kind of talking to Moses like this and to the children of Israel like this. It reminds me of Paul in the New Testament. One of the most amazing, in my opinion, one of the most amazing Christ followers to have ever lived. And he says this next statement in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Here's what he says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So I love how emphatic it is. It says, oh, we know this. This is not up for debate. We know this is, this is a reality. We know this. Who causes this to happen? Is it me by managing the things in my life and by just kind of working it out and being able to function during the day? And I know I may fall apart at night when I get home, but I'm just, I'm able to get through my work day. I'm able to cause this to happen. Is that what he's saying? No. Who does this? Is it me and my ability to manage? No. God causes this. Something good in my future out of something that may stink right now. God causes the good. God. Not because I am there managing it. Because I, honestly, if I'm managing it, I'm delaying the good. God causes. And is it just some things? Because certainly God can't be talking about my past. God certainly can't be talking about the things I have done and I have screwed up from my decisions. God can't be talking about that. I know he could be talking about some good people who just have a few things, but he can't be talking about me and my mess. So let's see, is it some things? No. It's everything. It's everything. So God and Moses, back to Moses, they're having this conversation. And here we go with Moses again. We've jumped chapters now, but we haven't jumped topics because here we are, verse 1. But Moses protested again. God, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And I know we in our lives as well. Thousands of years later, we have all of this. God, what if? What about this? But I can't. Have you noticed my past? Well, there's too many problems. There's too much of this. And then talking to Moses, the Lord asked him, Moses, what is in your hand? Moses replied, it's a shepherd's staff. 
It's a stick. God, I have in my hand a stick. Good. Doesn't sound like much, does it? He's got a stick. I can poke things. I can write in the sand. A stick. God, I have a stick. And I know you may feel like you have so much junk in your past that is creeping into your present and making you fearful of your future. I realize this, but I know that you have something. You at least have a stick. God has placed something in your life, something in your hand, and he intends to use it. Verse 10. He's not protesting. Finally. Now he's pleading. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me. In a bush, by the way, pretty impressive. You, but I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Okay, can we pause for just a moment and can we just simply say, okay, Moses, okay, you have some weaknesses. You have some things in your past that you wish you had not done. Granted, you have some weaknesses Things in your, but you even have some DNA and some genetic things in your life that you wish were not there. But the reality is they're there. Okay, Moses, we get it. We've got it. You have some weaknesses, some things in your life that are powerful over you. Some things in your life that you can't seem to do anything about. And I know that applies to us as well. We have in our lives, some of us have addictions, some of us have habits, some of us have hurts, hang-ups, things that are in our past that are creeping into our future and make us fear tomorrow. They're creeping into our present, making us fear what's coming up in our future. Okay, we've got some junk. And this morning, we're hoping you will simply admit Admit that you have some weakness. And yes, it, it may be more powerful than you are. But when we admit our weakness to God, whatever it may be, it may be more powerful than you, but it is not more powerful than your God. And this morning we're hoping to work you toward the place where you can simply say, God, I'm admitting to you that I've got this. This weakness in my life. I'm admitting to you that I'm powerless over this habit or this hang up or this hurt that keeps creeping back into my present. I'm admitting to you, God, that I am powerless and this thing has become unmanageable. I've tried to make it through the day and I have, but I get home and I lose it. I've tried to manage this, but I can't. Because the option really, well, we could just continue to be in denial. We could just live in denial and continue to stay there. 
and waste precious energy, precious days, some of us precious years to deny that we actually have this weakness and we can continue to manage it and function. But everybody around us knows we can't. We think we have them fooled because we fooled ourselves. This go-to thing, whatever it may be for you, we think it helps us through the day or we think it helps us through trouble or through stress. We think we do, but the reality is it's just lengthening the pain in our lives the longer we deny that it's there. We think it protects us, but the reality is it's just making things worse. And we're not alone in this. Remember that guy I told you the, who I consider to be the most amazing Christ follower to have ever lived, Paul? Listen to what he says about himself. In Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he says, And I know, I know that nothing good lives in me. That's in my sinful nature. It's just who I am. Nothing good lives in me. What I want to do, when I want to do what is right, he said, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. I can't. Donnie, take us back to Moses. Right. In, in verse 11, listen to what God tells Moses. After he had protested and pleaded, and I like this verse because I think we can relate to it. When Remember this, or try to remember this verse, when we feel like that we can't do something God has pressed upon our heart to do. In verse 11, it says, Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Hey, Moses, lean in. Who made your mouth? Who gave people the ability to speak and hear? And see, yeah, Moses, I did all of that. Now go, he says in verse 12, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And, and Moses here, he, he's a little hard-headed. And I know, I know none of you in here this morning have ever been hard-headed. Me neither. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. God, God, do you have anyone else? Is there anyone else out here wandering around in the wilderness? Maybe you can light one of those bushes on fire. Got my attention. It'll work for them. There's got to be someone else. Maybe someone that doesn't have the past I have. Maybe someone that doesn't have the weaknesses I have. Do you have anyone else that you could send? In verse 14, then the Lord became very, or the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron? Your brother Aaron the Levite. I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you right now. How convenient, huh? And he will be delighted to see you. God goes on through the next couple passages and tells Moses that Aaron will be the spokesperson. And that God will be with both of them. And he will tell them what to say. In verse 20, it says, So Moses took his wife and his sons, and he put them on a donkey, and he headed back to the land of Egypt, back to his past, back to the land of Egypt. And, and in his hand, he carried the staff of God, the stick, the only thing that he had. And, and don't, 
Don't miss this this morning. Despite Moses' past, even though he had blown it, regardless of Moses' weaknesses and his hang-ups, and he had plenty, he obviously had a temper problem, he was a murderer, and he was a little disobedient. Despite all of that, God tells Moses, I can use you, and if you will listen to me, I will use you. And he tells us, I can use you. And if you listen, I will use you. You know, I I think Moses was doing something that we all tend to do with our weaknesses. Whether they're past or present weaknesses, we first try to deny them maybe, or we ignore them, and we run from them. But God says, Despite your habits and your hang-ups and your hurts, I can still use you. And, and Harley, regardless of our weaknesses, and sometimes because of our weaknesses, God still wants to use us. Yeah. And our hope for you this morning is that you will admit your weaknesses, but don't make them more powerful than God. That guy I told you about, the who I consider to be the most amazing Christ follower who has ever lived. He also said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He said, three different times I begged. I begged God. He said, I, I begged him. It wasn't just a request. Three different times I was so low and at such a bottom place in my life. He said, I begged God. With everything that was in me, I begged and asked and pleaded with all the life and even that which filled like death in my life. I I begged and I pleaded, God, take this away. I know you can. I know you can do it. You are the great I am. You are the God of Abraham and Moses and all of the forefathers of our faith. You are create. You created me. I know you can take this away. You have the power to do it. I know you can, God. He said three times I begged. Maybe you have something in your life that you have begged God to take away. And you have said, I know you can. Take it away. Take it away. Don't make me live with this. And you woke up, and it was still there. Maybe it was something from your past. Maybe it was something genetic. Maybe it was in your DNA. I don't know, but you knew God could do it, and he didn't. And you woke up the next day, and it was still there. And here's what he said to Paul, verse 9. Each time he said, Paul... My grace is all you need. My grace, Paul. Not your ability to manage your life and to get through and to make, to to functionally live. Not your ability to manage your weakness and to make things okay. He said, Paul, not your ability. He said, My grace is all you need. 
my grace. Then he said, my power actually works best in your weakness. Now listen to me. Don't miss this. God is not, and here Paul is talking about something physical, but in your life, whatever that context may be for you, we are not excusing our weaknesses and saying, oh, well, God knows. God understands. We're not excusing our addictions or our habits or the hurts that we have drug around with us. We're not excusing this. We are saying this. It is not more powerful than God. Whatever it may be, it may be more powerful than you, and it probably is more powerful than you, but it is not more powerful than your God. He said, my grace is all you need, and my power is actually best when you will admit to me your weakness. And this morning, that's what we hope you'll do. We hope that you will admit to God, God, I have tried. I've tried to live with it, and I have failed. I have tried to manage it and to shuffle my life, and I've tried to minimize it and lessen it, and I've tried to do without it, and I've tried to quit it, and I've tried to put it in my past and leave it and walk away from it, but I failed. And dadgummit, God, it appears to be stronger than I am because I can't get away from it. This morning, our hope is that you will simply admit it to God as a starting place. Admit to God that I am powerless over this habit or hang-up or this hurt. I'm powerless over it. And my life has become unmanageable. I've tried. I've tried to manage it. But I've failed. And this morning, if you will admit that, you don't have to admit that to me. But if this morning you will admit that to God, here's, that's what the letter A stands for on the back of your connection card this morning. By the next steps, it stands for this. God, I'm admitting to you blank. And you don't have to fill in the blank on your connection card. Just simply, if this is you, simply circle the letter A. You don't have to fill in the blank. But be specific with God about that blank. God, I am admitting to you. And tell him what it is. Admit that weakness. Admit it to him. But don't make it more powerful than he is. And if you're circling the letter A, maybe this resonates with you. Maybe you're saying, God, I'm admitting to you this weakness. Here it is. I've tried to get past it. I've tried to change it. And I have failed time and time and time again. I am powerless over this and it has made my life unmanageable and I'm not going to excuse it anymore I'm not going to live in denial anymore I'm going to admit it that I've tried to manage it I've tried to live with it but I can't God I need your grace which you said is what I need
and I'm, I need your power. Because while it is more powerful than me, it is not more powerful than you. And while you may not take it away from me, your grace will walk me through it. This morning, I hope that's you. I hope that's us. Let's pray. God, you've told us, even sometimes when we beg you to take something away, we wake up and it's there in the morning. But you told us that your grace is what we need and that your power works best when we admit to you our weakness. And God, there's many people this morning admitting to you right now that weakness, and we are just going to learn. Help us learn over the course of the next two weeks some kind of step we can take as we begin with admitting this weakness and that we're powerless over it, but, but it's not more powerful than you. Help us learn over the next two weeks something we can do to get past our past. And it is in the name of our Savior that we pray. Our freedom fighter and His name is Jesus. Amen.